Hey, welcome to Consider This Question. Today we have the third in a series of six podcasts tracking with a series of messages on Sunday morning taken from Matthew chapter 19. And today's subject is sexuality and a biblical view of that subject. It's an interesting conversation. We hope you find it helpful. Welcome to another Consider This Question. We are here in the studio today uh, talking about the enjoyable and complicated issue of sex, uh, particularly sexuality. So not just sex, um, but sexuality. And uh, I'm just going to hit straight at it. You know, Scott, this is obviously a, a topic that, uh, oh, I guess who, who do I have with me here? I've got Scott Irwin and uh, Drew Moss, who both work uh, in our college ministry, but uh, they are also teachers here on staff and uh, uh, they work in a number of different areas. And then we have the um, very gifted and talented Sharon Doherty, who is. Uh, Stop it already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, Sharon is our counselor on staff and does a phenomenal job. Expert. Um, expert, yeah. I mean, there is an expert in the room. It mm-hmm. would be probably her. So it's, yeah. Anyway, so that's who's with me. And then, Scott, I'm just going to jump straight into this. So uh, obviously our people struggle with this issue of sex, not just talking about it, but understanding it and maybe even talking about it. Um, why, why do you think that is? Yeah, I, uh, so I'm preaching this sermon, and, and as I'm preparing for it, I'm overwhelmed because of the audience that I'm talking to um, is coming at it from so many different angles. Yeah. And so as I started thinking about all the different ways in which our people struggle with it, you have, you have marriages um, that struggle with this would be a top one or three issue in marriages. Yep. From my experience, Sharon can correct me. Um, so it, it, just that alone, that's a, that's a big topic. You have, you have singles. We have a huge college town in our city. Um, no, we have a huge college in our city. Um, so we have singles that struggle with this on yeah. many different levels. Is this normal part of dating practice? Is this not? Is this, you know, how do I deal with this? This seems to be expected. How do I deal with this? You have youth who are bombarded um, on a regular basis with not just not just pornography as available, but advertisement and what's on TV. I mean, it's just constant. Um, you have um, pornography itself is an issue that needs to be addressed and we could do a whole series probably on that we have uh, just in our culture um, sex is culturally being depicted as the highest form of human expression the highest the greatest human thing that you can do is to have good sex and that seems to be how it's depicted and so that influences the way we think about it and the way we want to redefine it um, you, I thought about this. You have grandparents who don't quite understand the level to which their grandkids and their kids are being exposed to it. And so they just, you know, they remember the good old days when you had to be sneaky and, you know, put trench coats on and sunglasses and then go and buy stuff in stores that were unmarked. I mean, and they don't understand the level. You have kids and technology. Um, you know, my, my son loves these, um, what's the, the YouTube videos? Um, I should have thought through this. Unboxing? No. Um, uh, Dude Perfect. He loves Dude Perfect videos, right? So, but it's sports related. And so I realized, you know, next to all the Dude Perfect, all the other videos, I just started scrolling down and, oh my goodness. You know, luckily there's a, now there's a kid's YouTube YouTube thing that doesn't have all that stuff. And so it's been great. But 
I mean, just that alone, yeah. kids and technology. And so there's so many different ways in which um, our people are struggling with it and it, it's hitting them. Okay. So it's hitting them in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. which means how do I address this? You know, so, you, you know, we, we'd like to try to go back and look at either we would call like a 10,000 foot view mm-hmm. or we would maybe try to uh, kind of break it down. Sharon, anything you want to add? Why, why is this such a struggle for us? Yeah, I think I was listening to him thinking no sense of reverence and awe. It's all about physical experience and it's all about naughtiness and that is naughtiness is elevated you know Mm. the way women display themselves what it's okay to go see experience um like he said it kids are inundated with that kind of experience from the time they're Mm. just little and and we could probably also add to that though and i know we'll talk about this as it kind of unfolds but it's a little bit of like sex because it's a, a private issue and at some level should be a private issue, right? Between a husband and a wife, right? So it happens in the bedroom. It happens kind of in that context. And so that secrecy maybe kind of like lends a little bit of a uh, kind of a mystery, mm-hmm. but instead of that being a beautiful mystery, but it becomes a naughty mystery, yeah. maybe something I shouldn't know about, maybe something I shouldn't talk about, which then gets a little bit more on the destructive side. So. Mm-hmm. The fact that it has a degree of mystery and a degree, a degree of privacy then makes it a little more complicated. Mm. Drew, were you going to add something to that? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we've been reading with our with our college leaders, Kevin DeYoung's Hole in Our Holiness, and uh, he has kind of a chapter on sexual immorality, and he just says, we talk about what is the what are some of the church's primary struggles, and, and one of the biggest struggles is that it's not in a lot of ways that much of a struggle for many of us, if, if I can say that rightly, like, our comfort level with it. Um, you know, he, he says in that book that like if the early church of first century Christians could kind of time travel to our day to day and meet Christians today, this aside from our wealth would probably be the most shocking or surprising thing to them is our amount of comfort with sexual immorality, the stuff that we watch and the stuff that we see, the fact that it doesn't even phase us. And that's not to say that they didn't know anything of it, Sure. They lived in a really pagan world where, where sexual immorality was rampant, but a really hard line was drawn for Gentiles when they came into the church that like all of that gets put away now. And, uh, and in our world where what they didn't have back then was the constant source of it in front of you through advertising or through TV or through phones and stuff. And it really does, I think, numb us in a lot of ways to to the destruction that it's doing in our hearts and, and the way that it's kind of um, pushing us further away from God and his spirit by, by our, our constant kind of, um, yeah, connection to it. So, Sharon? I think we have, because of all these things, we see that the pleasure in sex is what the world has created. Yeah. And that sex, in the way God has created it, is a sex without pleasure, which is a lie yeah. that we believe. Yeah. So there's some, yeah, some lies that we have to clean up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's interesting, and through this whole series, uh, it's it's really kind of fun to stop and say, hey, when we when we talk about the way things are now, we're still kind of talking in the West and in America. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I talk with different people in different parts of the world, um, it's a little bit of a time traveling back. I mean, in certain parts of Africa, there are harder lines that have been drawn mm. in terms of the where, where sexuality is. 
where it's not as 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 embraced. It, it is still clearly wrong. Not that again, not that they don't know about it. Not that they don't still yeah. struggle with sexual temptation, particularly adultery. Mm. Um, but it's still not as openly viewed and watched and laughed at. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, since I referred to Sharon as our resident expert, I'm going to ask you this next question, beginning with this. Um, so when we look at this issue of sex. Uh, why, why, like, why did God create sex? Now I know that you can't answer in Genesis five or in Genesis two or one or whatever. Here's ex- the exact definition. I don't think that's going to be the case. But to the best of our ability to understand why, why, why did God invent, create? Why did God make us this way? What, 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 what are some things that you would tell us um, to help us understand maybe who we are and how God made us? I think one of the first. Um, things that God said about it is that they become one. And so it's about unity. It's the unity between a husband and a wife. And God created that to help that, I believe, celebrate the oneness mm-hmm. in all of the rest of the areas of their life. Okay, And not only is a sexual union between a husband and wife, a unifying of the two of them, but it's a unifying of the two of them with God. We tend to think we'd be way too embarrassed to think about God in the bedroom. Yeah. But God created that sex, and he created it for that unity. Hmm. He created it for procreation, and he procreated and he created it for pleasure. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is and weird so to think about it. And so when kind of we like, experience those things, we should worship him. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. honestly, but think about the complexity of that, right? It's mm-hmm. almost like I think many of us, even even those of us that aren't afraid um, and, and and actually are willing to talk about this and have a healthier attitude about it, um, the, the uh, it's almost like I, th- I think at the very back of our minds, we still think God puts up with it. Or that God excuses it, even though I would never say that out loud. But to think about God, um, you know, joining with Andrea and I in the bedroom just sounds bizarro. But again, we got to be careful how you take that. We got to be careful how you interpret that. But if it truly becomes God, the design, uh, the designer in which we can experience the, the the oneness and the fullness, and the Bible does talk about actually how it is so critical that we have the right sexual ethic because we are joining our body and our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. So it seems to actually line up and make, and make sense theologically. Scott? Yeah, the, this, this idea that sex is a created thing and so therefore anything created ultimately um, should result in our worship of the Lord. I mean, food or anything that's good, anything that's beautiful, anything that God has given um, this underlining principle throughout yeah. Scripture is: if it's created and it's beauty, and it's beautiful, then then it should cause us to worship God. And so, um, that is a foreign idea to most I, most Christians that sex should be something so beautiful between a, a husband and a wife that you you catch a greater glimpse of something else. And so, I'll we'll maybe talk about that in a little bit. But I think the reason marriages struggle so much with with this, we'll just start with marriages, is because they've gone into it seeing sex as this consumer thing, 
um, that this is sex is about fulfilling my needs and and even in their dating relationship or whatever they, they've gone into it with this consumer mindset that uh, this is what I like this is what I want and if you can't do it then there's a problem yeah or I'll find someone who can or exactly yeah shopper so, yeah instead of this covenant thing and Keller um, which I'm indebted to a ton but t- <laughs> Keller Join the Keller family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He talks about this several podcasts, but he talks about it being a covenant renewal service, which is an you know, this is an archaic weird thing to describe it as, but but for those couples in and you know who you are who who understand the purpose of sex and why God gave it and have experienced its beauty, you go, It is. I mean it because it it's the only thing I get to do. It's the only thing that we do that is that that's exclusive and sure. and it's a reminder of my whole life commitment. And that's and that's the thing is um the reason God says don't do it before marriage, before this covenant marriage, is because it's a once you do this and first Corinthians six talks about this and and you know I've talked about it in my sermon, but this is a this isn't just a bodily act. This isn't just something that yeah. oh, oh yeah it's something I can do with whoever I want. It doesn't affect me. We're like animals. Yeah. No. No. It's a it is a it is is a soul unifying, it is a spiritual thing. And so when I do this with somebody, in, unless there is a whole life commitment behind it, I shouldn't be having this whole body commitment either. Um and so when those two things combine, this whole life commitment combined with this 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 um covenant renewal ceremony becomes this beautiful thing that I get to grow in. We get to grow in our understanding of it's not consuming. I'm not seeking what's best for me in this or what I want. I'm seeking how can I give what what's best for you. And if both are approaching it the same way, then you will figure it out. Yeah. And and, and you know that's my testimony with it is we struggled big time, you know. And Jim knows because I've sat under his cried uh, under his <laughs> when is this gonna change. Um, so many times he said, I don't know, man, it did. I don't know how, but it does. And I'm going, yeah, for you, but it ain't going to change for me. And it changed. And and it changed when our hearts changed toward seeking yeah. God for what, what God wanted for us in yeah. this. And it's a couple changing. It's not just one person yep. getting it. Yep. And I think that's one of the major misnomers that we have. It's like, when is the other spouse, when is the other person in our marriage going to get it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, I, I wish it were that simple. Andrew yep. and I both had to grow up. Um, and figure some things out. Sharon, anything else you want to add to that? Well, I think when he talked about sex being as we have a consumer mindset, a consumer mindset, I would just repeat from what Scott said, is this is for me. But when when the act of sex becomes a spiritual, has a spiritual mindset, it's how can I serve you? And so you come to this, for the other one, mm-hmm. for the benefit of the relationship. And when you're not seeking self-serving and you're doing what God created you to be in the way of a person who is Christ-like, who is self-sacrificing and giving to the other one, you feel fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Drew, anything you want to add in terms of the uh, the deep theological question, like why did God... Yeah create this you know because i mean truly we're postulating this but it can be good it can be a really good exercise of thinking kind of like the theological implications so what do you want to add 
I just think that this question of purpose really is so important. Um, it answers so many other things, like just to, to say, you know, kind of um, anytime you know the purpose of something, it helps you understand how to enjoy it and what's going to be destructive mm -hmm. with it. So mm -hmm. iPhone, good or bad? Well, it depends on if you're trying to make calls or hammer in a nail, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. terrible for hammering in a nail, and but it's great for making calls. And, and when we talk about this, that sex is designed Wait a second, um, you can make calls with a phone? Yeah, that is true. I, mean, I use it to like surf the <laughs> web, I use Twitter. it to Twitter, yeah. I use it to text. Oh, yeah, I got yeah, to update your it's yeah, kind of, I, 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 No, I just, I need to actually get that app. It's, it's like a he retro use. A flip it's kind of like an old school. Um, <laughs> no, but, but when you think about the way like if, if sex is really designed to celebrate and strengthen whole life oneness, if it really is like a covenant ceremony, you can see... This is why without those things in mind, it becomes so destructive when, when two people are sleeping together who don't actually have a whole life yeah. commitment, yeah. then sex is at its core, it lacks integrity. There's, mm -hmm. Because it's, it's, it's celebrating something that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. And, and this is why Chandler, Matt Chandler talks about this. Um, you go by any magazine rack on your way in the checkout line and every cosmopolitan or self or whatever Ha, almost every article has one article or, or every magazine has one article on like seven ways to improve your sex life. Yeah. Why is that? And the reason why is because as much as the world lifts sex up as this amazing thing, nobody is satisfied with their sex life. Yep. There's a reason that everybody is looking for seven tips to improve or eight ways to drive your lover crazy or yeah. mm -hmm. because sex promises something that outside of a whole life commitment and outside of a covenant, it cannot deliver. Exactly. And that's why, that's why pornography ends up actually destroying us. That's why even in marriage, when I'm not, when my whole life, when I'm not living out a whole life commitment to my wife, that's why sex becomes an empty thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that that question of the purpose of it is so huge and it, and it shows why sex can be so beautiful and at the same time, so destructive to and us. Intimacy only works from a uh, surrendering perspective. I mean, yes. if not, it becomes manipulative and it yeah. becomes selfish. So, yeah. you know, one of the things that I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and it, it took me getting older to experience this because as Andrew and I have gone through the, the, you know, the pilgrimage known as marriage when it comes to sex, I just, I remember kind of um, in our intimate moments, I, I remember being somewhat even overwhelmed at the vulnerability of nakedness. Okay, And if you think about the Genesis account, right? Mm -hmm. God created them naked and they were not ashamed. Mm -hmm. They were free. Like, where does that exist? Where does that exist now? And that's where I would tell you that you really haven't even fully understood or appreciated sexuality and the sexual expression until you're truly, like, naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. So there is in the sexual endeavor in a marriage context there is something like beautiful so it's not just the word naked actually in the bible talks about this exposed idea if they were naked then they're exposed to the elements if they're naked then they don't have any kind of protection like where can i do that you know there's one place i can do that actually i can do it before god and i can do it before my wife mm -hmm. and so i i the other thing that i would say is is that there's a a, a beautiful reminder of the way things should have been in the beginning, mm -hmm. naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. And it, it, by the way, that's not just, you don't just get that. 
you really have to fight for that. You really have to uh, to be vulnerable, right? Because what do we want to do? We want to cover up. <laughs> yeah. So, Scott. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Sharon. Cause, okay. Uh, actually, I want to have you say what you said to me in my office yesterday about um, the reason that uh, nobody's satisfied with pornography and then it, it or that or that trying to experience sex outside of marriage, there's always this like, well, it, I need to try something else. Or I need to try more. Yeah, because we see it as not, as something far less than what it is. Mm-hmm. We yeah. see it as just a, sec, a sexual, physical experience. Yeah. When in, in reality, it is a very spiritual experience. And if we are not experiencing all of that, we, have a, we get a little bit, so we go back for a little bit more, and we go back for a little bit more, but it never satisfies. Yeah. You know, I think um, I remember hearing one of the young girls in our in this church at her personal shower saying, you know, I just don't know what to do. I've been told all my life. I don't know how to approach this because I've been told all my life that sex is bad. And now all of a sudden I'm supposed to do a 180. Yeah. And I'm just supposed to do it. And I think so often women think men enjoy sex and women endure sex. Yeah. And I think what women don't realize is that you know god specifically created women physically with an organ that is just designed for sexual pleasure and when we can when we can grasp that idea then we can say okay he intended this that wasn't an accident yeah this is what he intended for me. It's like red light, green light, you know, red light, red light, green light, red light, red light, green light. I mean, when they talk about sex, it's like mm-hmm. their whole life, they're told red light, red light, red light. And then to just yell green light has to be confusing. And mm-hmm. I, I think probably ladies suffer with it more. But I mean, I, I know guys struggle with the same thing. Scott? Uh, the, well, several things. But my wife was in a hosting a t- table group for college girls early on in our time here. And the topic of sex came up, and it was part of the series we were doing, and so they were talking about it. And she was amazed, and I never thought about this, but it it kind of it saddened me and and scared me a little bit for my own. But these girls were sitting around going, "I am not looking forward to that at all," mm. because they know of the, how much guys are struggling with, and they yeah. and they see how the women are portrayed in these other ways, and they're like, "That's not me," and I don't, I'm not. Mm. So they were scared of it, and, and it's the old adage, you know, girls look forward to their wedding day, guys look forward to, look forward to their wedding night. Yeah. And they know that, and they're going, yeah, I'm freaked out about that. Yeah. What is he expecting? And that's, you know, my experience and others that I've talked to that guys bring in, and girls too, but guys bring in to the marriage this baggage um, of expectation that is unreasonable and irresponsible and not thought through at all and self-centered and consumer. I mean, all these things. And, you know, um, we were designed for intimacy. And, and Keller has this great line that is so true that intimacy is impossible without giving up your independence. And I would say it like this, the intimacy is impossible without self-denial. Yeah. You can't be intimate with anyone without being first willing to deny yourself for them. And, and that, to me, is where the bigger picture of sex becomes this 
this glimmer of this this um, this pointer to some greater reality that we were created for, which yeah. is intimacy with God. Because we would all say, yeah, Jesus says this, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. You can't have intimacy with me unless you're willing to deny yourself. And and so that to me that there's this connection, there's a deeper reality that we don't see it as, and so therefore we use it to fulfill our needs, what we think is our needs, and it never does satisfy. Okay, last question. Um, so obviously the church, like on every other topic, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. Um, and we've talked about a lot of the, the we're not, I don't think it's been negative, but we've talked a lot about kind of the darker side. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of hit that one more time. So where has the church got this issue wrong? Um, and then I want to end kind of like on, on where the church has got this right and maybe some of the things that you guys are optimistic about in terms of kind of the, the, the church's uh, response right now to the work of the Holy Spirit and kind of dictating some things. So, Drew, um, where has the church got this got this wrong? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been sharing with you guys recently that I think I think one of the areas that the church has got this wrong is is that we have recently tried to kind of imitate the culture um, in our obsession with sexuality. <laughs> sometimes, like we're going to do a song of songs oh, yeah. series. Yeah, you guys yeah. can be obsessed with it. Oh yeah, we can too. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> we can be just as obsessed as you are, and it's and it's a way. Of what we're trying to do is to kind of reclaim God's good gift of sex. Yeah. But sometimes I think we try to, we end up putting more weight on sex than we ought to with, with, you know, those famous kind of, uh, sermon series where a church, the pastor challenges people, you know, 30 day challenge, sex every day for 30 days. And, and the guys get all excited about that. And the girls all dread that and, and all those things, but, but, and, and they're trying to show it as good, but I think they're overemphasizing sometimes. And, and even I remember growing up and, and the promise was made to me when in the 90s when true love waits was like the thing, you know, and, and the promise was made. If you just wait, then it's going to be so amazing. Like if you'll just wait, then sex is just going to be awesome. <laughs> yep. Right. From and the beginning. Yes. Yeah. And, and first of all, that's a tough message to hear. It's so awesome. Now wait. Right. <laughs> um, but also like that's Can't a, tell you how great this is going to be. And yeah. uh, we'll talk to you in 10 years. But, but also <laughs> it really does kind of, it builds up it again. It put, it yes. put in my mind a greater weight on the importance of and the pleasure of sex than I think was intended to be there. Sure, I think yes. sex is really important, and I think it there it is really beautiful and enjoyable, but I, I think a lot of our people have received false promises about how incredible and amazing it is, and the churches just tried to kind of sanctify the world's obsession with it sometimes yeah. and make our own, our own holy obsession with it or whatever in a weird way. And and that puts an added strain sometimes when when guys expect it to be everything and the be all and, and all that stuff and and and, and frustration and, and all of those things and so that's that's at least one area where I think they've got. Can it I say wrong. this real quick? And I don't know if this will make no, the sermon, but yeah. But do you go to what? Where does church get this wrong? Well, let me say. Oh, this you want to go talk about Drew? Okay, let me say this about go ahead. marriage because that idea that it's awesome, just wait till marriage and it'll be awesome, and then people get into marriage and they don't realize how much junk they bring into it and they go this this isn't awesome this is frustrating because i see it on tv and it looks amazing that's not what i'm experiencing and i've you know come to realize that it's supposed to be two people i mean this is the way god set it up it's supposed to be two people who don't know how have no experience and who get to figure it out together for the rest of their life sure so I, i liken it to two people who've never ridden a bike before 
getting on a um, tandem bike trying and, it for the first and lying, time. both trying to learn how to ride a bike for the first time. It's going to be awkward. You're going to fall. And, but yet it can be fun to figure it out together, but it's not supposed to be this amazing thing that we see on. And, and I think people walk into it thinking wedding night is going to be this great thing. And it's yeah. like, okay. It's I like the process. reminder. It's going to be great. It's just going to be great in its own way. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and there's no way a TV show or a movie is going to be able to depict it. In, so. in one way, one, I mean, the, the way that churches have got it wrong and, and we hear this and I've heard this, man, churches don't talk about sex enough. And so then, then there's the counter swing the pendulum. We're going to, yeah. we're going to do it every day, 30 days. Uh, and so there, there's, there's no, this happy medium and it's not put in its proper place of important, but not everything. Yep. Um, and so that, in that sense, there are people that, that I hear in our church that have said, "My, we just didn't talk about it. I just didn't, nobody talks about this issue of yes. pornography or nobody addresses it and we needed to address it. And, and I'm thinking, mm, maybe they did and you just weren't hearing it. Sure. Um, or we just aren't talking about it enough. Sharon, where did we get it I th- wrong? I think another thing is that we don't put it in the context of a whole life, a whole married life experience. When we talk about sex, we just talk about sex but we don't make it part of, you know, that covenant commitment that is yeah. everything together. Yeah. Spirituality together, emotions together, economics together, and sex together. Yeah. So much like the and, health of an individual yeah. is going to be tied to what they eat and how they exercise and how they rest. Sex is part of a whole life. Yeah. And a healthy whole life creates, that's good. Um, I'll, you know, Sharon, I'll stay with you then. So where did the church get this right? Where have we, are, are you excited at all about kind of where we are as a church and kind of us moving forward? Or is it, no, we're probably never going to figure this out. Where are some, some positive things? And, and when I say that, it's so that we can continue to emphasize them and stress them. Yeah, I, it is exciting. I mean, after we talked about doing this, I, you know, listened to a couple of sermons and read a couple of book chapters about this, and I do see things that are are very encouraging and enlightening in the way of what God really intended. Yeah. yeah. Scott, where, of, are we, where are we getting it well? Well, where are we getting uh, it right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think so. I mean, so just to reference, I've referenced Keller. He's got Keller, um, t- uh, Tim Keller, Timothy Keller, has uh, several sermons. Um, one's called Sexuality and Christian Hope. Another one's called Love and Lust. And both of those would be really good to listen to. Um, Drew referenced this chapter on um, by Kevin DeYoung in the book Whole in Our Holiness called Saints, Saints and Sexuality. Sexual immorality. Yeah. Sexual immorality. And it's, and it's really challenging. Really challenging. I mean, because he draws a very biblical line. And I think I didn't realize until I read that chapter how far, uh, how far culture had moved me, how far I had moved from yeah. the biblical standard. To where you know, if I just keep if I keep culture at arm's length and just keep moving with them, at some point I get further and further away from God's standard, and that sure. that, that chapter really challenged me. Um, so I see I see a lot of good things, and and people are talking about it in light of the gospel and talking about it in in light of what is what is healthy and what is good, and 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 putting it in the proper place, and not not in more than it needs to be or less than it needs to be. Anything, anything good happening, Drew, in the church? Yeah, we are. I think we are learning to talk about it in healthier ways. And, and um, a couple things. One is, I, it is it's been really interesting in the last few years to see actually the culture 
starting to say like, um, yeah, non-Christian culture starting to say what the church has been saying for a long time about pornography. Yeah. And that is like non-Christians are looking yes, and going, atheists. yeah, actually this is crazy destructive. And yep. this is, this is hurting not only the people who are being viewed in porno in pornography, but also the, the person who's watching the it, viewer. it is, it is destroying their ability for real intimacy and actual relationships with people and those things. And so the church has been waving that flag for a long time, even if, even if, if we're honest, uh, many people in our own numbers are, are addicted to and wrestling with. And so that's, it's an area where we want to grow more, but I'm also grateful for, as, as Scott said, people kind of pointing to the gospel and some of this stuff and, and growing up a lot of times I felt like in youth group, um, the reasons not to engage in sexual immoral things, sexually immoral things was because of the bad consequences. Somebody might get pregnant, somebody might get sick, some of those kinds of things, you know, and, and, I'm hearing a little bit more of, and I'm always grateful for this truth, you know, um, that like we don't engage in those things because God is better. Um, and, and Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And so I don't engage in that stuff because I want to see God because, and so before I'm married, I don't have sex because I want to see God. And after I'm married, I avoid sexual, sexually explicit images and those things because I want to see God and not that stuff. And, and I'm I'm promised more of Him when I when I choose holiness over over sin, and I the, I'm, I appreciate that reminder from. So. Sure. We referenced the idea earlier that God inhabits the body. Our body is the temple yeah. of God, and I've been, and the Bible clearly says that when we engage in sexual sin, we sin against the body. I've recently been reading a book that had really hasn't is not about sexuality, but the title of the book is The Body Keeps the Score. Mm-hmm. And what that book is talking about is the fact that all of our memories are stored with physical sensations. And so when we have experiences that are sexual in nature, mm-hmm. those experiences are stored with sights, sounds, smells, taste, touch. Mm. And when that's stored in the body, specifically I think about something that is so physical in nature, we have a difficult time separating those memories that are connected with the ways we've sinned against our body mm-hmm. from the way that we should be able to enjoy what's going on with the body. And so letting go of the guilt and being able to replace that with gratitude. You know, one thing I love is, um, you know, that, yeah, that's great. And it's really, you know, I'm going to have to think about that actually uh, quite a bit longer about the, um, the way the body actually does that. And again, God's design with that, right? Um, you know, uh, the final word I'll say is that, uh, you know, I love my father very much. Um, one area in which kind of in the, kind of the school of thought that I think he must have come from was kind of more of a, we never had a birds and the bees talk. My dad was just kind of like, you know, you don't have sex till you're married, son, and then you'll figure it out. Um, if, if nobody else was talking about it, that might have sufficed, but it, it just, it, it literally probably wasn't what we needed to have. And a lot of it is my dad's Victorian kind of uh, upbringing. And um, 
I've probably been guilty, Drew, of kind of swinging the pendulum the other way. And hey, let's celebrate this. This is the most amazing thing. And I just, I, I really love how in the context of Christian community, we can repent of our, um, of, our, of our waywardness and find God's grace. We can even repent of our overemphasis and find God's grace. Um, and I love the fact that we're on this pilgrimage together. Uh, I guarantee you, as you're listening to this podcast, uh, there's things that we haven't had a chance to answer. Um, I really would tell you um, that definitely the people around this circle, and uh, man, there are so many leaders in this church. I think of our marriage ministry. I think of our Stephen ministry. For those of you that are struggling with questions and issues, um, man, there's a lot of people here, right? There's a lot of people um, that would love to help you in a marriage context as a single person um, to deal with these issues about sexuality. So we want to talk about it in a holistic and a biblical way, and we are definitely here for you. Um, so I hope this was helpful, and uh, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to continuing this faith conversation. Thanks, guys, for, for coming into the studio today.